This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 10th, episode 1424. This episode is brought to you by the American Endurance Ride Conference. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday... And it doesn't get much better than best conditioned. And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. But don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me up. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Horses in the Morning Endurance Day with Karen Chatton. Hey, Karen. Hi. Karen's with us the second Tuesday of every month, which is usually the Tuesday after she's had a wild adventure over the weekend. (laughs) And I don't think she's going to disappoint this week. We've only heard a tiny bit of the stories that are coming out of this weekend's (laughs) ride. So can't wait to hear all about that. And of course, uh, if you want to hear past episodes of Karen here on Horses in the Morning, just uh, go to horsesinthemorning.com. Just search for Karen Chatton, and it'll bring up all the past episodes for the last it seems like 10 years now. Um, a couple of years anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, the other thing I have to bring up right away on the show is uh, yesterday we became made aware that the, for those people listening on iTunes, if you listen through the all shows feed, we have a feed on iTunes that is all the episodes of all the different shows that we put out. And I know a lot of you listen on that. It was not updating as of last week. Uh, iTunes has been having an issue with a lot of podcasts not updating. So I went in and uh, did all the reset buttons I could find this morning at four o'clock. And apparently I've heard now that it is all a bunch of shows have showed up in the feed. So I apparently fixed what was broken and uh, hopefully it'll stay fixed. So that should be up and working for all of you. So that's uh, good to go. And uh, let's find out from Jennifer what's on today's endurance episode. Coming up on today's endurance episode by American Endurance Ride Conference, we've got more of Karen's travel adventures, a Redmond Rock giveaway, Dr. Miro with the latest on the AERC's drug policy, and Horse Heroes Devin and Justin to round things out. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. Thank you, Jennifer. Appreciate that. Uh, I do have a... Let me see if I can find this. I have one of these before we get started today, Karen. Mm-hmm. And 
And uh, that goes out to Rosie Murillo, who is one of our longtime listeners and auditor. And it's her birthday today. Oh, and good. She, uh, she stopped in to see us here not long ago at the farm here in Ocala. And I just wanted a super nice girl. And I just wanted to wish Rosie a happy birthday. Also, one of our listeners, uh, Louise David's birthday is today as well. So happy birthday to you. All right, got all the birthdays out of the way. We can continue with the show. So now, you went to a ride over the weekend, and you have like a thousand stories we have to condense into like 10 minutes. So I know. I, I went to a ride I hadn't done before that had always gotten rave reviews because it, it's a really nice ride. It's one of the best managed rides um, that I've ever done. Uh, they do everything right there. The only thing is this year mother nature didn't quite cooperate it started raining on us during the ride and since this is a rather challenging ride uh, with a lot of elevation gain i recorded over thirteen thousand feet of elevation uh, ascent and descent on it and the trails turned to really slick kind of like clay slippery mud and it was just um just I you know it's hard we're kind of all just praying that we're going to get through it you, you know and nobody's going to get hurt and you know that kind of thing and we were just uh you know basically going from one vet check to the next vet check and just continually hoping that we were going to keep making it through because it was such a challenging ride. Okay, so you're at a 13,000 foot elevation in the mud, I'm assuming with drop-offs of about 3,000 feet on the side. Well, no, no, it wasn't that we were at that elevation level. It was that much feet of going up Up and and going down, down, of up and down. Okay, so you were never on the side of a cliff in the mud uh, looking down? Um, We kind of were, you know, because you're obviously on going up and down mountains in order to do that okay, much elevation. Okay, why do you people do this again? Let me just... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can quote one of my friends when she finished. She says, um, that's the craziest thing I've ever done and I'm never doing that again. But <laughs> but I can guarantee you she was uh, probably lying because she will do that again because <laughs> she's done it. <laughs> Anybody, when you ride enough miles in the sport long enough, you're going to encounter adversity and, and deal with this kind of stuff happening, you know, and our horses are just amazing that they can get through this, you know, slipping and sliding up and down these hills and, and maneuvering. I mean, it's just incredible what what they managed to get us through some just time. the amount of trust there from both directions, right? The amount of trust to, to make that ride happen between you and your horse. Exactly. And, and like right at the start, like one quarter mile out, there's like six pretty gnarly bogs in a row where it drops off into this boggy mud and then you have to kind of go across and then hop back up out of it. And uh, by the time we got to the finish or almost to the finish there and I'm going through the bog, somebody was there kind of directing and asking, you know, well, are you you alive? (laughs) Yeah. And they're asking, yeah, how was it? And I'm like, you know, compared to the rest of the trail, these bogs suddenly don't seem like that big of a deal anymore. (laughs) (laughs) 
There, hey, they it's took just, them five hours to get a horse out of the mud yesterday in in England. So, you know, this oh, is no. not something to sneeze at. <laughs> no, no. And one poor rider that was on the ride and tie, her horse rolled over and fell on her. And she posted on Facebook, you know, just as chipper as could be, you know, thank you, everybody, for your help. And, you know, I'm in the hospital and I'm going to have surgery and go home soon. And, you know, and then she's listing all the broken bones. She had like a broken wrist, a broken ulna, a broken shoulder, broken ribs. And then as if that wasn't enough, she actually was able to walk out like three miles in the mud up and down these hills with those injuries. Wow. So I guess (laughs) she didn't have any cell phone service at that point. Uh, You know, I don't know. You know, they have number checkers uh, on this ride where they're taking your numbers at pretty regular intervals. So I'm sure that, you know, somebody else um, got to the next check and reported it and they had radios. Mm. But but yeah, there there was that no cell service. That is one of the problems account. with these rides. I mean, any place else, like you go to Rolex, right, and you're jumping five foot jumps uh, across country, and it could be dangerous and all of that. But the but the ambulance, both human and horse, is right there. Yeah, you're you're getting help within five seconds. You guys don't have that luxury. Uh, no, and just I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, I, I got off of my horse a couple of times, and then I couldn't get back on because... Because of the mud on your shoes, I bet. Because mu- of the mud on my shoes. Because it's the slipperiest substance ever. <laughs> it is. You're slipping and you're sliding and going every which way, and uh, oh my gosh. So she walked out with broken ribs? Oh, that must uh-huh. have been excruciating. Oh, yeah. And just imagine if you were to slip and you've already got your wrist and arm and shoulder broken. Oh. I mean... Did she just, bring her horse with her? No, know? I think they I think they left the horse there tied up and then it was retrieved later. Oh, and wow. and it turned out it, that the horse was okay. Well, you had your own little incident speaking of horses too. We were talking about this yesterday. You had your own uh-huh. little incident. What happened? Tell everybody this that's scary and this is scary. It is. It is. And it's something I've never ever had happen ever before. I uh, we left in the morning, I was traveling with a friend of mine, and we only drove about 80 miles uh, to where there was a fairgrounds. And we pulled in to get the horses out, and I opened my back trailer door, and uh, one of my horses was down. And he was not just down, but half of him was underneath the divider and my other horse. Oh, geez. And, I mean, he couldn't move. If he had tried to get up, he probably would have broke his neck or, you know, just and – and it was a miracle because it was Bo. And obviously what happened is it was pouring rain and the the water was getting in and mixing with his poop and it made and the so – you know, the floor slippery. Feet went out from under him, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And we were going over Highway 50, which is curvy and windy. And I'm – you know, I, I'd like to think that he wasn't down for that long, but – Boy, I'm really glad because a lot of trips I will trailer for, you know, three or four hours before I get the horses out. And and this day we only had gone about 80 miles before stopping. And just luck would have it. Just as soon as that happened, two guys, I guess, that are employees of the fairgrounds pulled up in a truck. And I and I said, I think I'm going to need some help. I have a down horse. And they both got out immediately. And we finally you know, assess the situation, figured out what to do. Bo was calm. He was quiet. He was 
completely sensible. But he was laying, so his feet were under the feet of the other horse? Um, yes, his yeah. front end and his whole head was underneath Chief's belly. His hind oh, legs. Really? Oh, wow. Yes. And his hind legs were kind of intertwined with Chief's hind legs. And neither horse moved, even wow, that's twitched good horses there. <laughs> the whole time. They were, Chief was like, I ain't moving. You know, my buddy here, you know. And Bo didn't try to get up. He didn't try to move. He's sort of like, um, I think I need some help here, you know. And so we weren't sure, you know, what the heck do you do? It, it turned out that um, one of the guys held Chief's, um, I gave him the lead rope through the window so that he could hold him so that he um, wouldn't try to turn around and get out and trample over the top of Bo. And then three of us went into the back of the trailer and we were able to grab Bo by his blanket and pull him out. Just We were able to pull like just a couple inches at a time and and pull him backwards and get him out from underneath chief and then out from under the divider. And then he was able to stand up. We backed him out of the trailer took his blanket off and he was cool and dry underneath. So he wasn't really showing any signs of stress or anything like that. And he immediately, you know, went to eating and he peed and drank and everything was fine. Just as if, you know, nothing had happened. And of course, as humans, we were like, oh my God, you know, freak totally i mean we stayed we tried to stay calm for the horse's sake so that we wouldn't you know yeah make but just calm on the outside and then what's and going on on the inside not so calm on the inside <laughs> exactly i was like oh my gosh and the only thing uh that that as far as an injury goes is chief had a little bit of hide that had been scraped off of one of his hind legs i'm sure from and that was you it. know and that was it oh this could have been so bad Oh. And that was it. And both horses just trotted off sound. They both were fine. I mean, basically, he could have got know? his head stomped to death. Oh, uh, exactly. Or if even one of the horses had panicked even slightly. Yeah, it would have been. Who's one of them, yeah. one or both of them could have had broken legs or worse, you know. Um, Isn't this everybody's biggest fear? We got to a show once. Uh, and it was a thoroughbred, if I remember right. Jennifer would remember better than me. But we got to a show once early on. This was when I, not too long after I had met Jennifer. We get to a show, and the horse is stuck upside down with his feet straight up in the air. Oh, my gosh. So. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to talk more show. about this Always a little bit. bolt cutters. Yeah. yeah. That's what we did, right? <laughs> we we used bolt yeah, we had cutters. Yeah, we had to get bolt cutters because the, the butt bar was at a, a, cha- a padded chain, not a bar. And her neck was there. So her head was sticking out the back of the trailer. She had flipped straight over backwards. And uh, so her neck was resting on the tailgate and the butt bar. So we got the tailgate down with the help of several strong helpers. But uh, the only way we could get her out was to cut the the chain. And then she kind of flipped around a couple more times and made her way out of the trailer. It was not pretty. Wow. Wow. I know I, you know, and then I didn't even do the ride Sunday and only, I think nine riders started the ride on Sunday. Um, it, it was like, you know what, my luck, everything has turned out so super well. You know, my horses got here. They didn't and, die. You didn't die. It's all good. Exactly. It's like, I'm going home now. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to count that and look at it and go, Okay. We're all alive. We're all in one piece. It's time to quit. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. 
Well, I'm glad that worked out. Boy, that could have been bad. Uh, I know. Yeah, and these are your two horses. You know, Bo just went over 9,000 miles over the weekend. That's, you know. And then you rode him after that, and he was fine. He was totally fine, uh, you know. And he came through. Did he get the the trailer quickly when you headed home? Oh, yeah, he just, yeah, he loaded right on in, no problem. And But, you know, I made sure, you know, the back of the trailer was dry and I put some extra hay down on, on it for him. And so now I know better to be a little bit more careful about that from now on. Most of the time when I leave to go on a trailer trip, it's not pouring rain like that. Well, when Kristen comes on from Distance Depot today, we're talking about cameras, trailer Definitely. cameras, because you need one. So I know, I <laughs> With do. as much traveling as you do. You yeah, need one. you well, know it's just it's like weekend. it's like hopefully I can go. I mean, I've ridden like thirty seven thousand miles, and I've never had that happen. So let's hope I can go that far again <laughs> without it ever happening again. Oh my gosh! Hey, a couple things here, quick. Uh, but and we're glad that everybody survived the weekend, except for that poor woman in the hospital. A um, w- couple things. One is you talked about Sweetwater last time you were on, and we've had a number of listeners ask what the recipe was. Can you give that just real quick? We don't have yes. to go into what it is. They'll know what we're talking about. Yes, it's it's a way to help get the horses hydrated or keep them hydrated and drinking well on a ride or, or just when you're traveling. And I've been using two cups of stabilized rice bran two, and two gallons of water with like a one ounce scoop of either salt or electrolytes. And the horses are still, you, you know, it's one of those things I'm thinking, oh, they're going to like it once or twice and then they'll get tired of it. But you know what? They drink those this weekend and especially post-ride they drank them and just sucked it down and it's just so nice to see because then there's it's stimulating them to drink better on just the plain water but then their their pee stays you know it's not getting as concentrated and they're peeing a little bit better and they're just staying a little better hydrated and that was really important on the ride that I just did Um, even though it was raining that, you know, increased the humidity, but with that much climbing and stuff, the horses were heating up and getting hot. So having your horse stay hydrated was a a real important thing. And so I'm just uh, kind of thrilled and excited that it's still working as well as it has been. Terrific. Very good. And then I also wanted to say, mention that uh, for those of you that listened to last month's episode, Valerie Ashker has started her cross-country ride yesterday. I assume she waited till after Rolex so she could go see her daughter, uh-huh. Lainey Ashker, do Rolex and uh, in the pouring down rain and cross country, speaking of rain. Uh, and now Valerie started her ride from California to the East Coast and on thoroughbreds. And she, mm-hmm. you can follow her at Second, it's the dumbest marketing name ever, Second Makes Through Starting Gates. And that's <laughs> 2ND makes through starting gates uh on facebook and she has some pictures on there and some videos as well now um do you want to do your endurance tip or talk to mike first well it's kind of a two-in-one sort of sort of thing um the last i don't know a good year ever since tevis last year my feet were killing me. They were going numb. I mean, I went to the chiropractor. I did everything. And my feet were just going numb. They were tingling. It felt like, you know, pins and needles. Um, And I couldn't 
You know, Everything there are people I at tried... home going right now, Karen. You ride a hundred freaking miles in a stirrup. I know your feet are going to go numb. But you know they're all going. My feet go numb after a half an hour. What's she talking about? I know, but you know, <laughs> as you get older, it gets worse. Trust me, it gets worse. And so uh, I, I tried everything. And in fact, I got some things to work. You know, I changed to a lighter stirrup with a little different padding. I've tried, you know, thicker socks, thinner socks. A bigger size shoe, you know, shoes with a little bit more support or in. And, you know, a lot, you know, trying to get off during the ride and walking for, you know, a few minutes of every hour or so. And all those things helped a little bit, but nothing really took the pain away. And then uh, just like last week or so, I was on Google and I don't know what happened. I searched and I found um, a, a doctor's website about um, foot pain and using a bentonite clay to do a detox. And I'm thinking, you know, that daily gold stuff from Redmond that I feed my horses, that's what that is. So I, I got the bright idea. I went out and to the barn and I got my uh, Redmond daily gold and I brought it in the house and mixed it up with some apple cider vinegar and I painted it on my feet. <laughs> that was sexy. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Lovely mess. But uh, I had the sense to put a towel underneath, you know. So then I put, painted it all and over my And you smelled good, feet. too, with the vinegar. Oh, yeah. The dogs were coming over going, what's that? Can I can I try that? And, uh, and then so I put it on my feet and I let it sit for like 20 minutes. And then I... I had a tub of water that I had heated up so it was really warm. And then I put my feet in it and stuck my feet in it for half an hour and then washed everything off. And I have to say for the next couple days after that, my feet felt really good. I mean, they, you know, because I've been having, you know, the constant, you know, numbness and pain. And all of a sudden it, it was gone. My feet felt great. And then I went to the ride and did the whole ride and my feet didn't hurt. I mean, talk about like a really you cool. You poulticed your feet. I did. <laughs> That's isn't basically it, what you did, right? Isn't it cool? And so it's like, I'm kind of so excited about it because after going through this whole last year, I mean, I had rides where I was biting on my reins because I was in so much pain or I'd have to get off and actually take my shoes off and massage my foot because it was killing me so bad. And so it's like, I'm so excited to share this. Can I ask you again this, what this. I asked about 10 minutes ago? <laughs> yes, exactly. Why do, do we do, do this? this? Well, you know, if my feet are going to hurt, I might as well be riding on a horse. There you go. That's said like a true horse girl. Now I see where Mike comes into this picture, who also happens to be an endurance rider and is from Redmond Equine. Good morning, Mike. Hi, Mike. Good morning, Glenn. Hey, Karen. How are you? Poultice, foot you poultice. You need to repackage that stuff. <laughs> well, you know, you know what's amazing is uh, I'm just interested that Karen would use the Daily Gold, which was designed for the internal use of, for the horses, and here she is mixing it up and hydrating it for her feet. We do have human versions of our uh, clay. Uh, it's a Redmond clay. Um, we have a facial clay, which is perfect for faces, and we, uh, we, we, we recommend a lot of clay baths as well because it draws, not only draws all the toxins out, but it pulls blood to the surface of the skin How as well. How do you well. do a clay bath? That sounds sticky and like you'd actually be uh, really messy. 
Well, it's kind of like what Karen did with her feet. She covered her feet with with the clay, and then after a little while, she just put it in a bucket of warm water and just sat there for half an hour, and it had a tremendous Uh feeling. Probably it sounds a little bit like a snake oil. I know it does. We remember, you know, elephants and all those animals out in Africa, they go rolling in the mud all the time, and you've got to question why we've lost those natural... Uh, things that will help us. All our all our clay from uh, Redmond is our own mine. We mine it ourselves. We manage the process from start to finish to your to your uh, cabinet in your bathroom. And uh, so we believe that you know if you use it externally, we've got the first aid that helps with rashes. It helps with burns, bites, insect insect skin, uh, insect bites, uh, bee stings, poison ivy. Um, but also numbness and bruises. You know, you've you've heard of these horses using um, bentonite clay on their cannon bones to ease off the soreness and what have you. We don't have mm-hmm. a product for that yet, but absolutely we should be making one, and, and maybe we'll have one out in the next six months or so, because that's exactly what you're doing when you're putting it on your feet and your bruises and what have you. Is you're, you're pulling all that out, and you're bringing the blood to that area, which fl- flushes it all out and makes uh-huh. it feel much better. So, yeah, and a totally natural product as well. So I'm delighted that it helps you, Karen. That's great. I'm glad I just happened to to give that a try and and finally get some relief because, you know, even, you know, I don't like taking, you know, ibuprofen or whatever very often because it upsets my stomach. And so even on the rides where my feet were hurting and I would take stuff like that, it didn't really help, you you know. So I was just thrilled to find something that did give some relief and hopefully it'll keep working. Um, But it's great to be able to share this with with the listeners, you, you know, because they can go and, and like, um, like you, you said, Redmond has a, a clay product, um, for humans well, already. You can, either, you can either use the daily gold, which is probably not the best because it's a little bit gritty. <laughs> you can use uh-huh. the first aid for horses, which is, is perfect for humans too. A lot of humans use that on their skin. Uh-huh. That's and, the, uh, that comes rapid. in the tube, Mike, the first aid. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. And you can even go to rebentrading.com and you can find all the human products on there, the facials, the, the first aid for the skin issues, and even our relight that you've talked about before, the, the salt capsules that we use on our rides and what have you. So rebentrading.com for all the human stuff and then rebentequine.com for the first aid and the daily gold and, and those uh, products. Now, wow. what what did uh, Mike? What did she? You you said you added vinegar, right? Was it vinegar uh, that you added, Karen? Um, apple cider vinegar. Yeah. What did the vinegar do? Why is that important, or wasn't it important in this case? And she just did it. Uh, you know, I'm not well, really I, sure. I I just happened to have it. So <laughs> and, and then, I'll just and, add it to the mix. And, Why and, did, and, could she just have used water? Is my question. Yes. I, d- okay. I don't think, I mean, apart from making it really smelly, I'm not sure that it brought any benefits. But you know what? We're not doctors, and, and uh, this will um, affect everybody a little bit differently. And maybe the vinegar helped, Karen. I'm Could not she sure. have I used red use wine or white smell. wine? Would that have worked, too? It would have smelled a lot better. <laughs> um, <laughs> it smells so. better, yes. 
Maybe there's well, some medicinal. They say out, red wine's but... good for you. Mix the Redmond with red wine. You got the perfect thing going there. <laughs> there you go. You, you know, and my dogs even came over and they wanted to lick the bowl that I used to mix it up in. I figured, oh, that's okay. You know, if it's okay for the horses to eat this stuff, I'm sure it's oh, okay yeah. for the dogs, you know. Yeah. Oh, so I think was... a little daily gold on your dog food, I think, would be tremendous for your dogs and their digestion as well, for sure. Right. Especially if they have the runs or an upset stomach or they've eaten something really nasty like our dogs do. You know. Uh-huh. Right, right. And so it's just kind of fun. I, you know, I started Googling and anybody listening, you can just Google, you know, the healing properties of bentonite clay. And there's a lot of information out there about how it works and why it works and how beneficial yeah. it is. And uh, And I'm thinking, gosh, all this time I've been using this product on my horses and didn't realize how useful it could be to me personally, you know? And so again, um, dating back what to the Chinese and also the native Americans, uh, using yeah. that for the same purpose. Yeah, and even the Aborigines, uh, they carry a lump of clay in their, in their little knapsack. And when they go on walkabout, every time they eat or drink something, they have some clay as well. They take it with that and it helps their digestion. So, the clay is just an amazing product. It's totally natural. Uh, we actually believe it. At, at Redmond here, we use it for everything. Um, and I think that, Karen, you're beginning to find out how beneficial it is, not only for the inside, both for humans and for horses, but also uh -huh. on the external. We think that you should carry a first aid tube in your car. You should carry it in your backpack when you're riding so that uh -huh. if your horse gets any grazes or scratches or bee stings, or if you do, you've got it right there and it takes the sting right away. You should, you should even have a tube in your um, cabinet in your bathroom as well. So that's uh -huh. how much we believe in that. Definitely, definitely. And I and always I'm have... telling you, combine it yeah. with red wine. You got a product <laughs> you will make a bazillion dollars, Mike. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. And so Mike is always so gracious as to do giveaways to our listeners. Oh. And so what we're going to do today is something a little different. We're going to do uh, a little bit more uh, randomly picking the 10 winners that we're going to give stuff to. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what we need for you guys to do, um, Jennifer, can you put up a post on the Horses in the Morning page? About the contest, is she? Is I she... think she's uh, calling our next guest. Actually, oh, okay. Well, anyways, we'll get that. We'll get that posted, and then we'll ask uh, uh, the listeners to go and like the Redmond Equine uh, website on Facebook and make a comment about why they would like uh, to to win some Redmond product, or if they already use it, tell us about it and what you like about it. Yeah, and we'll put a nice little uh, care package together for each winner, which may include some human products and some horse products, and I think it'll be a treat for you. Yay! i got to well, tell you, we had thanks, run out of Mike. the human salt, Mike, and then we had to order some more, and in the meantime, we had to use the regular old white salt, and pff, I was so excited to get the salt again. It's a little thing. <laughs> First world problems, but <laughs> it's good. I mean, it just tastes better. Uh, it but, does. It's it better does. for I you, too, but. Yes, I love the uh, the Redmond Relights. I I've actually finished a bottle up of them that was in my trailer this weekend, and wish I had had more with me. Um, you know, and it wasn't even that hot, but with the humidity and stuff, it really felt like I was still sweating and still needing my electrolytes just as bad as ever. Well, thank you, Mike. We appreciate you stopping by. RedmondEquine.com, right? 
Thank you, yes. And RedmondTrading.com for the human product. Redmond Trading. Okay, I didn't know about that, so thank you for letting us know about that. Uh, Karen will be ordering about 10 gallons of the goop for her feet. So, <laughs> she'll be just sticking her feet right in the bucket of goop. I uh, know. Uh, thank you, Mike. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. I don't think it's called Goop. There's a different name for it, but uh, it could should be called Goop. That would be a good name for it. Actually. It could be. <laughs> well, why don't we go into our next uh, guest right away, and then okay. we will uh, do our product of the month in a little bit here. All right. Well, we have Dr. Jay Marrow, who's the head of the AARC Vet Committee, joining us this morning to talk about the AARC drug policy. Um, welcome to the show, Jay. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good morning. Well. In endurance, as um, a lot of our listeners may or may not know, we compete on horses that we are not allowed to medicate or to drug because AERC has a drug policy in place. So give us a little overview or just explain a little bit about what the drug policy is currently with AERC. Uh, let's see. The drug policy certainly has a prevailing sort of view that horses should compete on their natural ability without enhancement of drugs, devices, things such as that nature. Uh, in the early days, um, it was very easy statement to just say, well, everything, they're not allowed to be on anything. Everything is prohibited. And AERC, like the rest of the world, has struggled as testing has become very, very sensitive and horses could receive a medication that might have been necessary, say, a month or two prior to a ride and wind up showing up on a laboratory test. So that is one thing that's um, evolved mm -hmm. with the drug policy. The second thing that has evolved is, well, we, we ask horses to do this amazing sport over, in some cases, many days or over a very long day, and do we need to consider things that might not be what we would call performance enhancing, but what are some things that might be important for the welfare of the horse? And so those sorts of considerations have caused an evolution of the drug policy within AERC, and so it's not correct anymore for us to say we're an entirely drug-free sport for those two reasons. One is a right. horse might have something in its system that was there months ago. And secondly, we have struggled with but have decided to allow a very, a very you know, studied sort of specific couple things that would be considered necessary to the welfare of the horse. And, and then the third thing I would say is that it's always changing. <laughs> it's always changing, and, uh -huh. and that's happening with, race, with the racing rules as well. So we, we tell people to just be advised. We... We're constantly struggling with keeping up with, uh, you know, what 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 new things to add to the prohibited list. Because unfortunately, not so much in our sport at all. There, you know, but in the other sports, some of the other sports, they're pretty rapidly trying to come up with other ways to dodge the system, and and it does leak in sometimes. So, well, what recommendation? What recommendation? What recommendations do you have for an endurance rider? They know they have a ride coming up. How far in advance should they make sure that their horses don't receive any medications like, you know, say Butte or say a tranquilizer for having their teeth floated? Right. So, the, the again, I can't give a specific right. day because every horse is going to metabolize a drug differently. 
Um, the standard sort of recommendation is usually a week at least. Uh, we have, there have been, again, situations where things like some of the tranquilizers have showed up when somebody gave that a month out, and that's an unusual situation. But, uh, I, you know, to be safe, USEF will tell people, United States Equestrian Federation, who does all of our drug testing and does most of the drug testing in the world, will often have this standard sort of four to five days withdrawal, and so we like to double that for, for most things. The problem will be that there are some things that will test out even even longer. So I would tell people they they really need to consider, be very, very careful. I'll tell you, Karen, it's not so much a problem of what they're giving their horses. The, the, I would say the single biggest problem that we have is folks are buying supplements, mm-hmm. and in some cases they don't know what's in that jar. And there are things in that jar that may or may not show up on the label even, so be very, very careful with what supplements that you give your horse because that has and that has happened all the way up through the Olympic level. Most people are probably aware of some of the the problems that have happened with some of the Olympic level horses. There were some liniments where capsaicin popped up. There oh. were some, some oral supplements. Um, so just be just be very, very discerning and very careful about what you actually put in your horse. But for most things, you're going to need to withdraw at least a week. And in some cases, if you're on some sort of specific medication, you need to do a little checking both with uh, us, Yousef, your own veterinarian, because it could be longer than a week. Okay. And um, tell us a little bit about the drug testing um, um, procedures. Say you're at a ride um, and you get drug tested. How, how, how does that work? So, for, so we're going to have two groups of our listeners. The Most of AERC falls under USEF testing, which we interface with USEF and we hire them to test. Uh, California has its own state-mandated drug testing procedures. We have, I would say, a little bit of not very much influence there. I actually sit on the state committee and am aware of that. However, the policy procedures for that we don't we don't really get to participate in so pretty much in the state of California any rider could be tested at any time so it'll be very similar to FEI if a tester shows up and wants to pick your horse they can pick your horse they do take a lot of urine but they are going to be increasing blood and in California they are went from testing 25% of ride starts to they're going to move up to almost 30% so you're likely to see in California likely to see drug testing. So that's pretty much any any time. Now, okay. within the rest of AERC, this is where the confusion comes in, because within the rest of AERC, we can control this, and we try to do a testing procedure that is uh, helpful to the sport and helpful to the rider. So our testers are now told to show up before the first place finisher, get themselves time to set up. They're going to be set up somewhere near the finish line. They're not going to test the horse when it comes across the finish line. They've been instructed to wait until the horse gets its completion. So that's what's different. We're trying to make sure everybody's happy. We get we get our sampling that we want, but we don't interfere with the horse's heart rate or its ability to come down to get its completion. Oh, good. Uh, so that, and then the second thing that will be different is that USEF is doing a very methodical testing, is going to test all the way from, in most cases, they've been directed to test all the way from the top rider to the last rider. So we have been getting some um, some comments, wow, I, I'm just a turtle rider, don't test me. Well, that's 
unfortunately, um, there's as much incentive for folks to maybe enhance their horses uh-huh. uh, at the back of the pack as they are at the top of the pack because of the way AARC structures are, are awards. So there's, right. as, there's as much room for cheating from top to bottom. Right. Yes, I've been tested and, and the poor testers had to wait around all day for me to finally finish. And it was like, how cool. They're so excited to see me at the finish line. Normally I don't get a welcoming <laughs> committee when I finish at five o'clock, you know, and, but they were glad because once they finally got my horse's blood, they were able to leave. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So, so yeah, I've been tested several times in California, um, but only once by AERC in another state. And so AERC, from what I read, I, got, I just got the new endurance news with your article in it about the drug testing yesterday. And it, it mentions that you guys are going to be um, increasing your, your drug testing rates. Correct. So we we have struggled um, in many years. There, there are unfortunately a lot of folks that might not see value in what we do. Um, and there are some folks that have the opinion, well, if you're not testing enough, you're not doing What's the point? Get rid of the whole program. Mm-hmm. And those of us that run the program have the opinion that it's, yes, we'd love to test more. I'd love to test at a level, honestly, that California tests that. We can't. But the fact that we are a deterrent, just any presence of testing becomes a deterrent or just sure. a worry that there might be a tester there is, is a deterrent. So we... For several years, we, we uh, maybe four or five years ago, had a lot of struggles with policy. Um, initially, we did not want to have um, any sort of uh, a view that we were interfering too much. In other words, in the old, 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 old days, uh, there were just the veterinarians could just, I want to test that horse, I want to test that horse, I want to test that horse. And that really didn't go so well because you can imagine that might. Um, look like somebody was being very subjective and going sure. after people. And so there's been constant, again, constant sort of restructuring of the program. And so then we, we took a step back. We thought, well, we'll just let USEF run it all. Well, we are such a unique sport that that didn't work so well. <laughs> that didn't work so well either. So now we interface with USEF in a way that seems to work very well. They get a uh, – we test regionally. So we, for a little while there, had no testing. Then we had one ride per region plus the national championships. And we mm-hmm. would give USEF a list of possible rides. We wouldn't know what they would pick. They would pick the ride. And then I would interface with the tester and Dr. Schumacher, who runs the whole program, and we would go over policy, exactly how they were going to do the testing, because that's where we were having, having some problems. And that's worked uh-huh. very well, and it's worked so well that the board approved some additional testing, and now we're going to test uh, almost double that. We're going to test almost two rides per region with an extra there will always be extra testing. So in other words, if folks think, oh, my region's done, I'm done this year, nobody's going to test anymore, nope, that doesn't, that's not the truth. In fact, there's always going to be some wild card additional testing and then the national championship. So we hope that the program will, will continue to flourish and uh, you know, we'll be able to do even more testing because we do hear from riders, I've never seen a tester ever, ever, ever. And that may be, that may be true. We are sending testers out to very remote locations. Uh, it, it's not just it's not just a big big rides or rides close mm-hmm. to big areas. We're going to come out to very small remote areas as well so that the sense is, again, a tester could show up at any time. 
So, uh, so I have a question. That leads to a question, and, and we are speaking to the head of the AERC Vet Committee. What what percentage? You must have a statistic on this. Test positive of all the tests that you do in a year. Is there? Is I don't have any idea what that percentage would be. It's pretty. Oh boy, it's pretty low. Um, endurance as a sport is very low. The problem is that some years. For example, I'll give, I'll give you an example, actually. USEF, of all their divisions, have anywhere from a half to a 1% positive for all testing. Okay. So uh, AERC generally comes below, below that. However, we've had years where we've had, for example, three positives in one year. And then out of another year, we had no positives. So I'd have to give you, you know, I would say we're probably still certainly below the 1%. We're probably around a half percent or less, well, but it's going to fluctuate. And then there's always a certain percentage of those in that case that you talked about earlier where they, they started a supplement. They had no idea there was something bad in it. It wasn't intentional is what I'm saying. There's always a certain percentage of those, that number that's that, uh, that's that, right? I would, yes. And, and for that reason, there's a very, very solid, uh, Protest and protest and grievance procedure that gets undertaken, and all, and the, that's at the time where the person that then becomes the respondent has the ability to provide information and data. And in several cases, these horses that have tested positive, um, the riders absolutely were. I, I have no idea how this happened, and and other samples were taken, and and things were pursued to the end. And absolutely, there have been cases where it, it was. Just that they had no idea they didn't they had no intention at all and and when that happened at the end of the day the the AERC took a you know a, a lenient as lenient a stance as they could as opposed to somebody that was trying to completely cheat and mm-hmm. and win or do whatever their goals were. Wow. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Marrow, for coming on and explaining all this to us this morning. We really appreciate having you here. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's useful to be able to uh, clarify some of these muddy issues for sure. Definitely, definitely. Well, thanks, thanks and have a good real. have a good day. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to hear it's that low. Uh, you know, and, and uh-huh. I would suspect it would probably internationally in some areas it's higher, but uh, I'm glad to hear it that it's that low here. Right. Well, you know, it's not to our benefit to be drugging our horses because. You know, really, it, it just would allow us to continue to break them down rather say, than you're, you're keep masking, them healthy. You're masking exactly. any issues. Yeah. Right. Now, now, as far as the writer's concerned, <laughs> it's a whole different story. <laughs> Do they test writers in the AARC? Uh They don't. Yeah. It's probably a really good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I doubt that the Redmond stuff you're putting on your feet would test. So I, I think, think that's, that's probably okay. pretty safe. You know, it's all the other stuff, you know, that we take or, you know, it's like a lot of writers do some sort of, of self-medicating, whether it's alcohol or, uh, you know, pain pills energy or, drinks, or uh, <laughs> exactly or something, tons of caffeine, yeah. you know, that we all do a little bit of something to help give us, you know, that That's little next, extra you know, stuff. <laughs> I know, I know. And, you know, it's like I had, I know I've got friends that are probably um, went home from this ride after I talked to them and, and got 
their daily gold out and went and started putting it on everything that hurts. But, you know, if, if something that simple can work, you know, that's awesome. I mean, that's why we've, we, like you said, we poulticed our, I poulticed my feet, but, you know, we poultice our horse's legs all the time and have, you know, done that for forever because we know that, that putting the clay and wrapping their legs helps pull the heat out of you know out of their legs after a hard workout and that it 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 works so you know let's try to find as many ways to to help our horses as we can without you know medicating them well that sounds good let's take a break Uh and go to our sponsor for this half hour is distance depot and we had a chance to catch up with Kristen yesterday and talk a little bit about the issue Uh, that Karen had on the way where one of her horses, if you missed earlier in the show, one of her horses fell down in the trailer and she discovered it when she got there. And there is a way to avoid discovering it when you get there and that's with (laughs) a camera system for the trailer. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about with Kristen from Distance Depot. And we'll be back. We have more guests coming up on this endurance episode of Horses in the Morning. Well, good morning and thank you for joining us today, Kristen. How are you doing? Just great. How are you, Karen? Pretty good. I'm drying out from all the rain that we've had this last week. Oh, yeah. I heard that was a quite a ride you all went to. Lots <laughs> of people were there in the mud, I think. It was, and it really wasn't predicted to be a high chance of rain, but then it started raining and it just never stopped. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> it was boy. just one of those things where now mm-hmm. we have um, a lot of stories to tell. That's right. <laughs> for the adventure that we survived. <laughs> And so I had quite the adventure this weekend with, I had a horse fall down in the trailer and now I'm in the market looking for a trailer camera and I see that the Distance Depot has several different options. So tell us about those. Okay, we do. Um, We have sold the Trailer Eyes trailer monitoring system um, for quite a few years and they've had several models over over the years, um, one of the original designs is the Trailer Eyes Plus. Um, works best probably in a, a horse trailer that doesn't um, have big, large living quarters, you know, and for people mm-hmm. who are traveling shorter distances. But for the people with bigger um, living quarters and that are traveling longer distances, he has come out with a couple of newer versions. The B2 being one of them that has two new booster antennas, um, which gives you an extended range. And it's supposed to reach up to about 1,200 feet. So that's quite a, quite a bit of range and a good price point at about $299, which mm-hmm. does include free shipping. Um, but it's great for, for your horse trailer. You can also use it in the barn or for foaling. And it has night vision. Um, and I think you can hook up to about eight cameras um, hosted by just one monitor. So that's quite a thing if you're wanting to use it around the barn, too. And um, all of these systems that I'm going to talk about today can be used with a battery and or they can be hardwired right into the trailer or into the barn. Um, and most of them come with that system. One we'll talk about here in a little bit. You have to buy the hardwiring system. Okay. But, um, 
but they're pretty um, pretty good. The trailerized version also comes in a digital, um, a higher price point at about three hundred and sixty nine dollars. Also great for trailers, pastures, and your barn. That particular um, system has a split view screen, and you can record with it as well. It has an um, an SD. You know, you can put in a card okay. and do some recording with that one. A, a little shorter distance, about four hundred feet away for the barn, um, but it's built for horse trailers as well, um, and a great for high interference wireless environments. So. Some nice, nice options there. And we also um, have a newer system. It's called the Hindsight Monitoring System. Um, it's also wireless, and it actually has two different types of cameras. You can buy it with the standard lens, which has about, I think, a 45-degree um, lens, and also a wide-angle lens on the camera um, that would have a 95-degree um, view. So, um, and you can hook up to, how many is that? I think um, four. eight, four. four? Oh, you're right. Four. We'll pair yeah. up to four cameras. Pardon me. Yep. And um, it's a totally rugged system made with really strong composite. They really have done a great job. Um, Glenn was just telling me before we started here, he was telling me a quick little story of, <laughs> about have, not having it anchored quite uh, right yeah, in it. I, uh, so they send me one test model to test, right? And the first thing I do is hook it, the camera to – it has a suction cup. But, of course, I'm too dumb to read the directions. So <laughs> I, uh, I go to suction cup it to the inside of the trailer, and, of course, I didn't have the suction cup on right, and it falls about six feet under the floor. And I got to tell you, any other camera that I've seen, if you dropped it like that, it would have broke. Uh, this thing just bounced. I mean, these are tough. They're waterproof. I mean, I think you can put them in water like up to 20 feet. Wow. The, these are really rugged. They're made to be in the outdoors. They're made to get moist. One of the problems with uh, a lot of the cameras we've seen over the last couple of years is your the trailer tends to be a humid, hot, especially mm-hmm. here in Florida, environment, mm-hmm. and the cameras will actually die on you because they basically just get wet to death. Right. Um, and these, you're not going to have that problem. These are sealed, and it's the same for the unit for, that goes in the, in the truck. That mm-hmm. thing's the, the same way. When you see it, I know you've seen all of these, uh, Kristen, mm-hmm. and when you see it, you can tell the difference, can't you? It's just Oh, yeah. I mean, just by looking at the, the hindsight version, you can tell. And she told us it has marine-grade aluminum, so you're not going to get rusting. And I think, yes, you've covered about the moisture. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal in our horse trailers. And, and we're driving with our windows open, and, yeah, moisture is going to get in there. It is wireless. We used it. We didn't connect to the electricity in the trailer, which you can do mm-hmm. with the camera. We didn't do that. We wanted to see how long the battery would go. You oh, just yeah. charge them up overnight. You plug them in like you do your phone, and mm-hmm. both the receiver and the camera. And uh, we used it for about, uh, it went for about four hours. So they say four to eight hours. Whenever mm-hmm. anybody talks about battery life, it's always the lowest end of their per- what they say. Right. It never is eight <laughs> hours. So four hours is about what we got. Now you can plug in the one in the in you know the unit in the in the truck, mm-hmm. um, and then you can also wire in the unit in the camera if it's, or in the trailer if it's going to stay in there. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, there's they, all kinds of attachments a- you can get to attach it permanently and all of that. Exactly. We do offer a hardwiring kit. It runs about $25, so not a big deal if you're wanting to hardwire for long trips. But, yeah, awesome that you can just use the charged batteries, I think. 
Well, how does the monitor work if you've got more than one camera that's, on? That's interesting. It's on different channels, yeah, right? Yeah, that's correct. And it will, what the, what the, I know how the hindsight one works anyway. What it'll do is it scrolls through the different cameras. Uh-huh. So it'll go boom, 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 boom. But then it also has manual controls where you can stop it on one or you can go back or forward. But oh, otherwise, nice. it's constantly scrolling through the different cameras. I think it's at five-second intervals. Um, the other thing, because there is a suction cup, what you can do is if you're terrible at backing up to a bumper hitch trailer, um, you can actually put it on your tailgate pointing down, and then uh-huh. you can back up, hook up, take the camera off, put it inside the trailer, and go. Oh, nice. Exactly. So we yeah, could actually... Your ball in the, yeah, in yeah. the bed of the truck. Yeah. Right. But we could also move the camera out like at night oh, when yeah. we're camp- camping at a yeah, ride oh, yeah. and yep, keep an eye correct. on the horses that yep. way. That's terrific. Now, mm-hmm. I would have it hardwired if you're going to do that because you're going right. to kill the battery. Yep. That's true, yeah. It right, does so come, oh, sorry, it, it does come with a, a custom carrying case, too, that's pretty, pretty rugged and nice to have, too. And now it's more expensive. Let's point that out. It is more uh-huh. expensive than the other. It is. Yeah, the price point is four ninety nine, and it does come with free shipping. Um, and then, of course, if you want to add cameras, you know, we're talking about, I think they're about $150, whether it's the standard or the wide-angle lens. But um, all in all, I think it's a, a really good system for, for your money. Well, I liked it so much that I told her I was going to keep it and, and buy it. So there you go. Uh, that's how much we liked it. And I never had a camera in the trailer before. And to Karen, I don't think you'll ever go without one again either. Really? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> Is it well, worth yes. 500 bucks? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. Especially if you, if you, yeah, it's just knowing when you're driving down the road that you can see what's going on back there. Exactly. And I've never, ever had had a horse fall in the trailer before. And mm. so, um, y- yeah, it's not something you <laughs> want to have to deal terrifying. with. Oh. I know. I know. But it all turned out okay. Everybody's yeah. fine. You know, the horses were more calm and sane than the humans. <laughs> I, I bet. I'm so impressed that they just stayed there without panicking while you fixed all of that. Exactly. We were really lucky. Well, let's go on over and talk about your water storage tanks that you sell. Okay. Yeah, we do have a lot of styles. Um, We've been selling these water tanks from um, made by High Country Plastics since 2005, so for 11 years. Um, They're, you know, just awesome. Tons of different um, styles. We have ones that will go in your um, hay rack caddy on top of your trailer if you happen to have one of those we have some upright ones that will go in the dead space if you have a corner mm-hmm. um, and and lay down ones that will fit in the back of your truck 48 gallons 25 gallons lots of different styles and they all come with a three-year manufacturer's warranty against defects they have um, recessed um, spigots easy to hook a hose to um, we sell a 10-foot hose also so just a shorter hose that you don't have to coil up so much hose each time, but really um, nice. Horses like to drink their own water from home, so if you're traveling, mm-hmm. you know, a really nice thing to, to have some of their own water. That way you're sure they'll be able to drink. Right, and these do last a long time. I know I've had the ones on the top of my hay rack. They're the same <laughs> same ones, and they've been up there for more than a dozen years. Yeah, they do. They mm-hmm. last forever. They're really well made. Yes, I hate to carry water at a ride. That's just unnecessary work. Exactly. So. There's enough work. 
<laughs> there already is enough work. You're right. So That's it's right. great to have enough water storage. You know, if you've got one or two horses, they can really go through a lot of water in a day. And, yeah. and, and so it's nice to have all these options that you have with the ones that go in the corners or the hay rack. Mm-hmm. Or I like the one that's a saddle stand. Yeah, there's one. It's called the Dry Camp Water Caddy. And, it, it, you know, if you happen to have a, a trailer that didn't have living quarters or, you know, you didn't have saddle racks, this it's shaped as a triangle on top that your saddles fit right on top and, and you can go on down the road. I bet you could fit two saddles on there pretty comfortably. I think you could, judging by so, this, and it's 30 yeah. gallons. I, I, that's yeah. a great idea for the smaller trailers like ours. Yeah, it really is. Well, if somebody was interested in any of these products we've been talking about today, how would they get in touch with you? Well, they can visit us uh, at thedistancedepot.com and or give us a call, toll-free, 866-863-2349. And all of these items are listed in our catalog, too, which you can also request. Well, thank you, Kristen. Thanks, Karen and Glenn. Well, you are listening to Horses in the Morning. I am Glenn Geek here with Karen Chatton. Coach Jen is in the producer chair. And we have a couple of guests coming up here in just a second. But first, uh, I wanted to remind everybody that uh, you can listen on our app now. Uh, the Horse Radio Network app for iOS or Android has just been updated in the last week or two. So if you haven't done updates or you haven't seen any updates come into your phone yet, make sure you go in and do that on your phone. And what that allows you to do, first of all, the new shows from the Horse Radio Network are in there. So we have 10 shows on your app now. You can check those all out there. And uh, you can listen live to Horses in the Morning or any of our live special events that we do. You can now listen on the app that uh, apparently is working fine. People say the sound's actually a little better on the app than it is on the internet or on the website. So you can find that. Just go to the App Store, search for Horse Radio Network. It's free and it's easy to download. And people that were never able to listen to the live show before because uh, they couldn't do it on their phones are now able to do that through our app. There's just a little live button. You'll see it on iOS or Android. Just click that, click play, and as long as we're live on the air, you'll hear us. So that's (laughs) something new that uh, endurance riders can do while they're riding as long as they have some kind of reception. It doesn't Mm -hmm. work if you you have no bars. It just doesn't work. (laughs) Exactly. Now, can you download the the sound file to listen to when you are, say, offline for some reason? Uh, Is that possible? You know. Oh, okay. Then you would have to go download the podcast later in the day and just listen to the podcast. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. I mean, that's, you know, always the option. But if you wanted to listen live, you can do it this way now. And yeah, I'm really excited about that also for our special events like live coverage of Road to the Horse or 12 Hours Live for the Radiothon. Uh, mm-hmm. That'll allow people to, to listen to that live when, when, uh, when, when we're giving away all those prizes at Radiothon and you have to call in to win. It's really mm-hmm. good for that. So. Okay. So cool. that's kind of neat. And now, one of the things that comes around every year is Tevis, and there's all kinds of preparation going on for that already. That's usually when? In August? Um, it's usually, they, it moves around by the full moon. So okay. uh, it goes back and forth. You, is that know, usually, the only horse event in the world that goes by the full moon, by the way? I, I, you know, probably most other rides tend to have a set date or a set week that they that their rides are held on, but Tavis definitely moves around 
uh, um, within about a month time frame because of that. This year, I believe it's on July 23rd. And last year, wasn't it in August? Like uh, August, August yeah. 6th or something yeah. like that. And uh, But this coming weekend is the Tevis Fun Ride where uh, they uh, have a lot of... Uh, stuff going on up there where they take uh, the riders out on different sections of the trail over three days this coming weekend um, so that they uh, can see the trail and get familiar with it and uh, hang out with some of the more experienced uh, people in the sport that have done Tevas multiple times and, um, you know, just sort of absorb all of that, you know, positive energy and information and learn and uh, I've got friends that are coming. They're going to stay um, at my place on their way to go uh, to the fun ride this weekend. And hopefully everybody has a really good time. And hopefully the weather will cooperate and it'll be nice. And uh, I think we're kind of owed a, a nice weather weekend <laughs> after last after weekend. Last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> now, how, how long will you ride at this one again? You know, I'm not really sure. Okay. I, I think they break it down into, you know, maybe 20 or 30 mile increments in sections of the trail. Got it. Okay. So, you know, but there's logistics involved because it's a point, since it's a point to point ride, you know, you need to figure out how to get, you know, to the starting point and then have your trailer at the finish where you're going to stop each day. Mm. So there's, you know, some of that planning that has Is to go the on. infamous rock on this ride? The Cougar Rock? Yes. I don't think so. I think they're doing more or less, you know, the second, um, you know, third of the ride or the last third, I mean, of the ride or maybe some of the, the middle parts. I'm, I'm not entirely sure what all the sections are, but um, I don't think they can get in to that area yet because it's too much in the high country and we've had a pretty good winter this year. So I'm pretty sure that the trail is still going to be under uh, several feet of snow on that end of it. Got it. But towards the Auburn end, it, it's probably already clear and in uh, good enough shape to, to ride. Very good. Well, are you going? You know, everybody keeps asking me that. And <laughs> just like I say every year, I'm not planning that far ahead. Because once you commit, then you sort of like, it just sort of, you start thinking, Tevis, Tevis, Tevis. I mean, thinking, breathing, you know, everything becomes about Tevis and it kind of takes over. And so I try to not focus on it or think about it. You know, it's it's like, well, gosh, the horse, especially since he just came through this ride doing as well as he did, it's like, oh man, I, you know, it's like when you have a horse that can do it, it's really hard to not want to do it. But on the other hand, it's like, oh gosh, you know, because it's such a big commitment time-wise, financially, you know, you know, that sort of thing. To, and mentally, to, to right? Do it. And mentally, yeah, definitely. Even though probably this ride you went on last weekend with the weather conditions was, was worse. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, I think that was probably harder. The whole trip was harder on my horse than doing Tavis last year. <laughs> this was the first show, I have to say, Karen, this was the first show that, you that when I talked to you at first show, first event, first ride, after I talked to you after it, that you actually said I was scared. 
Uh-huh. This is the first time you said over and over and over again <laughs> in the pre-show meeting that you were scared. I mean, <laughs> the, the, and I haven't heard from that from you yet. Right, right. And you know what's really kind of cool about endurance riders is I came home from the ride and then within the next day or so, everybody's posting their ride photos from the ride and pictures and not a single person that I've seen even mentioned, oh, by the way, it was pouring rain on us and we were soaking wet and for part of it, we were freezing to death. Nobody even mentioned that. All they mentioned was that uh, it was muddy and it was hard on the horses. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that the way it is with Facebook anyway? You always just put the good stuff. You never usually put the bad stuff. I know, but it's sort of like, you know, once you got home and dried off, it, all of a sudden that's irrelevant anymore. It right. doesn't matter that exactly. we were that It's we funny were how when we look back after, all day. it's a uh-huh. lot different than when you're in the mill uh, of uh, it. Yeah. That's true of any crisis or anything you go through, right? I mean, I think so. Yes, you you get uh, you just try to focus on the positive aspects of it, and that you know that we all got through it, and that we were all okay in the end, and that's that's what mattered. But yeah, I remember being in the vet check, and riders were you know shivering, and because you know they were cold, they were soaking wet, and uh, but it's sort of like all about that part. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're kind of nuts. It's like, like you said, I, I caught up to one of my friends and she was off on foot and just slipping and sliding th- through the mud. And I said, you know, this is knucking foots. <laughs> <laughs> she said, yep, it sure is. <laughs> so we're, we're still waiting for Jennifer's trying to get our guests on here. What, uh, if you had to look back, what would, would you say was your worst ride ever? That when you finished, you said, I'm quitting. Oh, quitting. I don't know if I've ever said I was quitting after a ride. Um, Gosh, you know, some are just better than others, but even a bad ride's better than not riding. Oh, there you go. That's a good quote. (laughs) You know, (laughs) for the most part, you know, I mean, anytime something happens to your horse, you know, that's, you always wish you could go back and undo that. But for the most part, you know, even the hard rides or where things go wrong, you learn from it and hopefully, you know, take something away so that it can help you down the line or help your horse next time. And and so sometimes you have to learn lessons the hard way. And so I don't, I don't really know. I mean, there's a couple rides where I, if I could go back, I would have wished I had never started. Like for instance, on Friday when you know, once I opened up my trailer and there, my horse was down at, at that point, it was almost like, you know, maybe I should have just went back home. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Your horse wasn't ready to go back in the trailer at that point. <laughs> I know, but you know, but it turned out he was fine. He, he ended up doing one of the hardest endurance rides he's probably ever done in 9,000 miles. And, and he came home and he, and he looks terrific, but you know, in hindsight, you know, most of us wouldn't start a ride if we knew we were going to end up in those kinds right, of conditions. Right. You, you, but I you guarantee know. your horse was swearing at you halfway through that ride, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? With, you know, and, and I love the ride photographers, except uh, Bill, uh, Gore, and Rini. They came up and 
I almost wanted to have slap them because they didn't know what had happened to me getting to the ride, but they came up and said, Karen, you're, you're never going to get through this ride. And I was like, what? <laughs> and they said, well, no, because the grass is like waist high everywhere. I said, your horses are going to be stopping to eat. They're not going to want to go. <laughs> and so they were just teasing me and trying to be nice. And I'm like, oh, my God, you gave me a heart attack. Why did you say that? <laughs> but it was true. You know, the horses did love tall grass and tall wheat growing. You know, I mean, they hardly had to even bend down to eat. It was it was terrific. And so from that point of view, the horses in, enjoyed that at least that much of it. <laughs> well, if you're going to be out there in the rain, you might as well be eating along the way. Well, exactly. We do have our guests ready. Oh, good. Okay. Well, this morning, um, our next guests are Devin Horn and Justin Nelson. They both are endurance riders that live in Texas, and they recently uh, were involved with the rescue of several endurance horses that were in the flooding, the horrific flooding, and uh, they helped save and rescue several of these horses. So we're going to talk to them. Um, welcome to the show, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Well, let's start with Devin. Give us um, just a little history on you. Like, how did you start endurance riding? How long have you been doing this? Well, I, I started endurance riding um, when I was 10 years old, actually, at the stable that flooded um, over in Humble, Texas, this past um, the 18th. Um, so I began endurance riding with uh, the lady whose horse, whose stable flooded, Daryl and Butler. Um, and I just kind of progressed into doing both AERC and FEI riding. Um, I've done Tevis twice. I've done 800s. Um, I rode the Mongol Derby twice. And I'm gearing up for another 1,000 kilometer in South Africa in October. Cool. So and how, I'm, how, I'm fairly, how old are you now? I just turned 23 on Wednesday. Oh, my oh okay. You've ridden more than yes. most people do in a lifetime. Um, I get that a lot, <laughs> but I hope it's not over yet. We're going to have to have you back. I've, I've, we've covered the Mongol Derby and had the winners on for the past like five years, but we, we never have talked about the thousand mile you're talking about in Africa. So we're going to have to get you back on to talk about that sometime. Well, it's brand new. It's a brand new race. We did the first one last year, and I'm excited to be part of the second one. And I'd love to come on and talk about it because it's really going to be a special event. All right, cool. We'll get you back for that. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, Justin, give us a little bit of your back history and, and your um, experience with, with the sport of endurance. Uh, yeah. Um, I've only been endurance riding for about like eight to 10 years. Um, I rode as a kid and really I kind of came into this with a, uh, a big running background. I used to do a lot of triathlons and marathons and, and running races. So for me, it was just kind of a natural transition into the endurance world. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like Devin. Uh, actually, I also did the Mongol Derby. Uh, I won it back in 2010. And then I'm also planning on going to Africa with Devin uh, wow. and doing the same exact race. So we, we, we tend to be following each other around, it seems like. Um, I don't have as many races or as many miles as she has, but uh, uh, yeah. So it's, that's, um, I'm, I'm relatively new in the sport, but I've, I've been around for being the new guy on the block. Cool. And how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? No, I'm no man. I'm 39. Okay. He's a youngster. Yeah, still. Yeah. I know. Well, in this Absolutely. sport, you, yes, yes. There's there's plenty of people quite a bit older that are 
you know, <laughs> participating in this. So, okay. So Devin, let's go back to you and tell us a little bit about um, just what happened in, in the flooding um, a couple of weeks ago. And um, where- sure. So I, I live probably about 20 minutes away from the stable that I grew up, you know, spent my childhood at. Um, and on Monday, I, I woke up at 6 a.m. And, and noticed that my office was closed and just kind of went back to bed. <laughs> I, I knew that my horses weren't going to have a problem and it was raining pretty hard outside. So I just kind of uh, rolled over and went back to bed that morning and had no idea how my Monday was going to turn out. Um, when I woke up again around nine o'clock, I looked on the news and I was just completely floored because the news was covering the flooding at the stables and there were horses that were actively drowning on live TV. And my heart just stopped and I ran downstairs and I grabbed some shorts and I got in my car and um, made it out there. And uh, when I got there, everything was kind of just in total disarray. I mean, there were there were probably 200 spectators and a whole bunch of different camera crews um, and a bunch of people who were, you know, trying to rescue the horses. And I, I missed a good part of it, but Justin was there for the beginning and he can tell you how it all started. But uh, when I got there, Justin was pulling one of the horses out from underneath the bridge. So I just kind of jumped in and, and started helping him get the horses out. And, you know, it, it kind of turned into uh, an effort to, to get as many of them out as we could. Um, what ended up happening is I, I grabbed a life vest off of somebody uh, who was not prepared to, to get in the water and help um, and started, you know, getting into the water and trying to rescue the horses. It was, it was pretty harrowing because, um, you know, they were trapped in, in a lot of debris underwater. We have a lot of vegeta- vegetation and a lot of um, really thick undergrowth down, down here. And the horses' legs and, and halters and manes and tails were all getting caught up in brambles and logs and trees. Um, so, you know, you, you got in the water and your first, the first thing you had to do was cut them loose. And of course, then they would panic and you had to kind of steer them out of the, the floodwaters. Wow. And Justin, where were you when all this happened and started happening? And how did you end up getting involved? Um, very similar to Devin. Um, my, my kids didn't have school that day because uh, all the kids or the, uh, all the schools were closed. And I actually saw all this going down on Facebook. It was just a picture um, at the time. And but. It was, you know, there was just some random horses in the water, and they they were, uh, I mean, I, at the time, I couldn't tell that they were drowning or anything, but I just thought, I looked at my daughter and said, hey, uh, why don't we go down there, check it out, um, see if they need any help. Matter of fact, I even told her, I was like, we probably won't even get out of the car. <laughs> um, but uh, we got down there, and like Devin said, there was just, there was a ton of people there. Uh, there were some people you know, in the shallows, but the, the biggest issue that I saw when I immediately got there were the the horses kind of out in the open. And the, the biggest problem was the, the, the current. And, you know, these guys' uh, body mass is so big that once they got pinned up against a fence or against a log or anything like that, they simply just couldn't get themselves off of it because the current mm-hmm. was so strong. And then that's when the tails and if not a bunch of them had halters and lead ropes on, but you know, a couple of them did. So those would get tangled up and so on and so forth. Uh, so when I got there, I just, I, I saw a guy standing there with, um, a life vest and I said, Hey, you're going to go in and, and, and do anything. He was like, I'm not getting in that. So I said, well, give me your life vest. So I, fortunately I was just wearing shorts at the, 
at the time. So I stripped down to those shorts and put the life vest on and swam out to the first horse. And that kind of started a snowball effect because as soon as I brought that up, a lot of people up on the shore were saying, hey, there's another one over there. Hey, there's another one over there. And so I just, one turned into two, two turned into four. Thankfully, Devin showed up because I was really, there were some, some people going out, but we didn't have a ton of life vests. Um, and then when Devin showed up, she's, she says, you know, Hey, what can I do to help? My first question is, are you a good swimmer? Because that was the other issue uh-huh. I was running into with, with some folks, they were either good swimmers, but didn't know anything about horses or knew something about horses and weren't good swimmers. Right. So yeah, that's kind of how it snowball effect for me. Now I take it. You must be a good swimmer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I did, um, a lot of search and rescue, I'm a certified diver in search and rescue, swam competitively as a kid, I've done Ironman. So, yeah, I have a very, had a very strong swimming background. Wow. That's just, um, how deep was the water at this point? Um, well, I mean, depending on where you're at, but not deep enough to stand up. Um, uh-huh. Now, I would guess, I don't know, what do you think, Devin, around 8 to 10 feet or so? So in the shallows, yeah. In in the cur- in the current where the river was flowing, it got up to about thirty. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Devin, tell us how did things end up at the end after well, this was so, all over? So, um at the end. Yeah, like after the flooding and the waters receded, you know, what you know, how many horses did you rescue and 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 how's everything kind of followed since since this disaster um well the the rescue attempt was kind of split up into into two pieces as justin was saying um justin and i were were rescuing the horses that were stuck in the undergrowth um and then the second part of the day we we um got all the horses that were in the barn um out as well because there were horses that were stuck actually um underneath the owner's kind of beach style house in chest deep water. So they weren't really, you know, um, in danger of drowning, but they were, they were still stuck. So the second part of the day was us getting those guys out, which is a, you know, a story and a half in and of itself. Um, after the flooding and after we got everybody out and on dry land, the horses were taken to, um, ranches around the area that were, that are owned by friends. We have a lot of endurance riders in this community and, and a lot of them stepped up to, to give, hay and grain and medical attention and, you know, love to these guys who had had a really, really bad Monday. Um, so the horses were all kind of farmed out to, to different places. And I think at one point mm-hmm. we had them at like five different ranches. So um, just the logistics of getting them hay and grain and, you know, water and, and all that good stuff uh, took a lot of, a lot of time okay. and a lot of effort, but the, the endurance community and the horse community in, in North Houston really, really stepped up and, and said, you know, what do you need? What do you, what, what needs to happen to get these horses, you know, safe and fed? And it, that was really phenomenal to see. Right. And how, how many horses are we talking about here? Um, the owner has, I think, about 70 horses. Um, I think 30 or 40 were evacuated before things got dire. Um, and then when the floodwaters came up around 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to say we had what do you think, Justin, 30 horses between the barn and the the river? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Justin, how did you fare afterwards? Did you, did you sustain any injuries or anything like that? 
<laughs> um, well, I mean, nothing lifelong or anything like that, but both Devin and I um, were pretty cut up just from the underbrush and, uh-huh. of course, getting kicked. There was a few times where, you know, you had to unstick a horse and you kind of got rewarded with a kick because, of course, these guys are panicking and trying to get uh-huh. away or trying to get out. Um, I actually had a hard time walking the next day because my feet were were so cut up. And oh, um, so, yeah, I felt it for, for a couple days. Um, and I think Devin was the same. Um, but something else I want to say, only because I, I, a lot of times Devin and I are kind of glamorized because we're on the news. Um, but, you know, uh, as Devin kind of touched on, another, a lot of people really helped. And if it wasn't for the guys in the boats, Mm-hmm. Um, because the horses in the barn, they, we actually drug them out with, uh, with the boats and Devin and I, and another lady took turns riding their back. So, you know, it's, we're getting glamorized, but you know, there's people up on the shore, there were vets and a lot of people in boats. So it really was kind of like she touched on. It was, it was a really great team effort in getting these horses out. It just so happened that the news, of course, caught the two sure. of us because we were kind of in the dangerous areas per se, but, um, overall, I, I fared just fine, uh, just, just really sore. And once I got home, I don't think it hit me. Uh-huh. So the adrenaline, you know, wears off and then you realize, oh my goodness. <laughs> I know. I bet <laughs> so you it was a busy exhausted. day. Hey, wow. you guys was, put yeah. up with, you guys put up with Mongol ponies for five days. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that just made you tough. That's right. <laughs> yes. That's right. That's no, right. worse yet, you ate Mongol food for five days. So that's, that's <laughs> the other thing. <laughs> I don't know what we could do to Which make is worse. Two any tougher. Oh my gosh. Well, geez, you two, thank you so much for all you did to help those horses and for coming on the show and, and telling us about it this morning. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thank no you so much for having us. And uh, real quick here, Devin, what's the name of that uh, event in Africa again? It's called the Sandy Mont 1000. Okay. Wow. Well, good luck to you both. Thank you. All right. Sounds all right, thank good. Thanks, okay. guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Okay, you have to do the Africa ride so we can get the stories <laughs> after because, you know, there, we know if you go, there's going to be great stories. No, we'll just talk to these two again <laughs> later. How about that? Well, you don't want to go to Africa and ride <laughs> you know, for a thousand no, I miles? Don't, I, don't, I don't want to get any tougher than I already am. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, look, you would, Bo would be happy because you would be riding him. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, he probably liked to stay home, you know, and it was so funny because the, like the whole week before this ride this weekend, he was getting out of the barn, unlatching the stall latches. If I didn't put an extra pin in it or a clip, he was getting out. He was dumping over my barrels of, of feed. He, you know, he was starting to pull down uh, plywood walls in the barn because he was getting bored. And so, you know, we have these horses and they, they get fit and strong and, and you got to keep them busy and doing stuff. You know, he, uh, he was basically telling me he needed to go do a ride. Although I bet if he had it to do over again, he might rethink that. <laughs> <laughs> he had a couple of pretty harrowing days on Friday and Saturday. <laughs> so I found the website for, or it's on Facebook. Facebook. It's called the Sandy Mount Express 1000. Cool. Um, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how a lot of Facebook pages don't put all the information right where you'd expect to find them. And it's at the Sandy Mount Park in, uh, where is this at? Um, Africa? Yeah, somewhere in Africa. Uh, 
I, you know what? I can't read part of it. It's in a different language. But <laughs> we're going to have to do some research. I want to know about this one. We're yeah. going to have to find, you know, we're going to have to get her back on and we'll have to get maybe somebody on that uh, wrote it last year. Uh, yeah. Check it out. So I think it looks like it would be fun. Look, you get to see, you get to see elephants stuff. and antelope and all kinds of stuff on your right. Are you sure you don't want to go to this, Karen? Because <laughs> Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Whip. I know. That's okay. I'll, I'll take that title. <laughs> well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Karen is here. She is here the second Tuesday of every month. And you can find Karen at? Uh, KarenChatton.com. That's the simplest, easy way. There's a great blog there. If you're interested in anything long-distance riding or endurance riding, you can find, find it over there. All her tips and tricks and all the different things that she's learned along the way are over there. And years worth of blog posts. Years and years worth. Actually. Yes, yes, years and years. But first, I need to talk about my renegades. Oh, yes. We do. Yes. Um, On this ride, everybody told me we start out going through these bogs and it's really bad. It pulls off boots. It pulls off shoes. And they weren't lying. I mean, people were losing their nailed on shoes on this ride. They were coming off. So I thought, well, I'm just going to carry. I'm going to put my renegades on my breast collar um, and carry them. And then once I get through the bogs, I'll put them on at least on the fronts. And so that's what I did. And amazingly enough, even with all of that other mud and the other bogs further down the trail and the slipping and the sliding and the up and the downs, they stayed on. They stayed, you know, they stayed on. And then and I got... saying a lot because a lot of the different brands of boots won't. Right. Especially when it's that They will stay wet in the mud while you're long gone. Slick. Exactly. <laughs> right. For for archaeologists to find a thousand years from now. <laughs> right. right. And so so we we get back towards the, the end and I think, oh, I'm going to go ahead and, and pull these boots off. You know, you couldn't even see that he had boots on anymore because he was so covered in the mud. And so I, I whip them off and um, actually I went to pick up his one front leg to pull the boot off and his other three feet he just started sliding (laughs) I mean the horse wasn't even standing still and so I literally was taking the boots off of a sliding in the mud horse and and pulled them off and and then off we went but I was just really impressed that they had stayed on for all of that mud and stuff and um and I ultimately in those kind of conditions I probably didn't even really need the boots I just felt a little bit more comfortable that he was in that kind of soft mud for so long and and had the protection uh from the other thing is you don't know what's going to be under the mud right I mean Exactly. Yeah. There could be sharp rocks yeah. that could, you know, cut into their heel bulbs or, or whatever. And, and so uh, it was nice being able to, you know, have, have the protection. And, and like I said, I was able to uh, uh, keep them on all the way until I chose to take them off, which was kind of an, <laughs> I've never had that happen before where three, the three remaining legs on the ground were sliding. <laughs> It's just a totally unique experience. See, Africa 1000 would be nothing compared to that when you go. Okay. <laughs> you know, maybe as a crew. Maybe they need a crew. I, although I have a feeling they're, the, these two probably don't really need a crew. No, I <laughs> they, they got it covered. Yeah, I think they got it covered. <laughs> so the website is? Is uh, renegadehoofboots.com. Renegadehoofboots.com. And they have, 
and they have different models. They have a gluon version, which I know some people were using on this ride. Um, you know, I hadn't been to the ride before, so I hadn't really realized that it started out going through these really, you know, gnarly bogs. <laughs> to begin with. But that's the benefit of of being able to use a strap-on boot that is easy to put on and take off. You you know, you can do what I did and just use it during the amount of time that you feel that you need it. And then you're done. You know, you're not later having to pry glued on boots off or anything like that. Well, the other thing is if you do lose one, you uh, at your next vet stop, you have the spare, right? So <laughs> exactly. it's a lot easier than putting the shoe back on. And we all know, you know, you can lose shoes in those bogs too. So Right, right. Yeah. And I did, you know, some people were saying, you know, the horses are slipping worse with the boots on, but I didn't find that to be true and it and and I don't really know for sure if it was the boots so much or my horse's experience level obviously he's very experienced but I didn't feel that we were slipping as much as some of the other horses it seemed like the horses in the metal shoes were slipping the worst yeah yeah but you know when you're going up and down hills on a horse in those conditions I mean the, the whole the whole trail was just slide marks they're exactly. Yeah, there was, it was just a, a crazy and, and I almost wanted to take my, you know, camera out and get some pictures and then I'm like, nah, <laughs> I don't really need, need to do that bad enough to take even one hand off of the reins right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. That's renegadehoofboots.com coming a variety of colors for you also. So when you, when you are covered in mud, at least you can see the pink shining through. Um, Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate it. Hostinthemorning.com. Download the app. Remember what I said, iOS or Android. You can now listen on there to The Morning Show Live. We appreciate that. Jamie will be back tomorrow. And uh, get your really bad ads in this week uh, to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. We need some. We have a great prize. We have the Smooth Stride jeans, as riding jeans as a prize. That's a $150 value. So uh, get your ads in and uh, be entered into this month's drawing for the prize. That's it, Karen. Thank you so much. Have a great time if you head to the Tevis Fun Ride. Well, I don't know if I am, but I have friends that are going. Okay, So I'll I'll get to hear all about it, I'm sure. Go buy a camera. I will. (laughs) I will, and I will come back and tell you all about it next month. Okay, sounds good. (laughs) And be safe, Karen. Be safe. (laughs) Definitely. Thanks, Glenn. (laughs) 